You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Inside Healthcare. I'm NCQA's Director of Communications, Matt Brock. We begin this week with another interview from an expert within our digital measurement community, a frequent guest on this podcast. SmartRise Health CEO Vanessa Guzman chatted with me back uh, earlier this year. Now, while some of her comments might not reflect the frequent rise of the Delta variant and others in our population, her overall insight into the continuing need for collaboration and data sharing between health partners remains relevant today. So here goes. Vanessa Guzman is joining us again uh, to talk digital quality and about the issues uh, therein. Vanessa Guzman is an expert in population health strategies, including patient and physician engagement, clinical reporting, health IT, and quality management models, and she is the CEO at SmartRise Health. With almost 15 years of industry experience, she works closely with health systems, accountable care organizations, technology, and social determinants of health partners to collaborate in implementing data-driven tools, clinical infrastructures, and community partnerships to promote wellness and improve patient health outcomes. That's all our goal, better patient health outcomes. Before that, Vanessa served as Associate Vice President at Montefiore Health System, a top-performing ACO in the country, who I think I uh, mispronounce every time I say their name, overseeing physician partnerships there. She worked on population health and quality improvement and health information technology. Vanessa, welcome back. Thank you for having (laughs) me again. Today we have have you on... um, because we wanted to talk about ways um, to sort of prioritize activities and resources to support quality programs and their measures, uh, value-based payment programs, and of course the ongoing COVID pandemic and our accelerated efforts for that, including how do you leverage partnerships when you talk about the community, with especially community-based programs and some digital tools um, to improve performance and operational efficiencies. So, um, hey, Vanessa, let's start with this. Let's uh, level set, set the ground. What were, you think, the most significant lessons or growth even, because lessons sometimes, yeah. you know, yield growth uh, from what it will go down in history as a horrible, horrible year, 2020. Tell us the good news? What were the lessons? <laughs> <laughs> um, we definitely have more patience, I hope, uh, yeah. for 2021, uh, for <laughs> sure. But uh, thanks for having me. And such an important topic. Um, it, from the very top, we've learned patience, people, we all form new preferences, right? Uh, we were forced to do things differently. Many of us tried telehealth for the first time. I was one of those people. Um, you, you learn to make huge cues outside of urgent care centers to get COVID tested. Um, you got sick, but they don't want to go to the hospital, right? Uh, because of the fears. So between fears, adoptions of new technology, um, a different pulse when it came to value-based payments, uh, healthcare uh, stakeholders, patients, 
we all learn to do things differently and find efficiencies in ways that perhaps were foreign to us. So I think in some sense, uh, it created a, an unplanned disruption that often, as often happens, came with growth to your point. And, and I think creating different, our ability to create different communication channels um, when it came to patient engagement, but also finding creative ways um, to still render good quality of care was probably one of the biggest challenges um, for providers this year, um, outside obviously of the obvious priority of, of COVID-19. Hmm. It revealed though, COVID has revealed some challenges. Uh, many challenges. Big time, right? <laughs> Big time. Um, lay out a few of those for us that you think that it has sort of laid bare. Obviously, yes. equity is is a big concern. Equity is probably number one, right? Mm -hmm. Equity, uh, access to care, uh, depending on, on where you live or, or where you're from, should be pretty equitable and 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 we 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 haven't seen that and and it, it it shed light to things that were already problematic and I think it just kind of provided supporting evidence of of that um, communication channels right uh, how we how effective we are at communicating depending on patient preference was probably one of the biggest challenges as well um, we still saw the same groups of people benefiting from things like telehealth uh, technology uptake. Um, but it didn't change those that were already struggling with access points. Um, obviously, there was an economic downturn um, in general, right, to the general population. So that, that alone created a huge social barrier for people who didn't even have the barrier before, uh, you know, the, the, the onset of COVID. So I think it was the perfect, not perfect combination of different crises, uh, civil crises at the same time, uh, that were occurring and, 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 and yielding just a ton of stressors uh, across both uh, healthcare providers, administrators, and patients. And oftentimes when you find yourself in that type of disruption, we don't make the best of decisions we've learned, right? Um, so it also places in a very risky position of being, ab being able to act very quickly with as much good positive rationale as possible. What do you think we, um, so after sort of uh, <laughs> 2020, yeah, what can 2020. you say, right? Right, right, <laughs> it, right. It, Like you have to swallow before you say it because uh -huh. of a gulp, you know, big gulp. Um, what do you, um, what do you think now sort of looking beyond into 2021 and beyond, what are the top things, the, uh, the top core functions providers and payers, mm -hmm. what are the ones they need to focus on effectively to okay. effectively improve their quality performance? Yeah, so still healthcare delivery is, is super important, right? Uh, quality of care, is this how it's delivered needs to look different than in prior years. So we're, we're shifting to a more virtual health care um, type of scenario. And, and that being said, partnering with the right technology, um, you know, partners or adjusting existing technology to be able to serve that. But it's a bit beyond technology. That's the obvious answer. The less obvious answer is still understanding patient stories, right? And understanding what are they, their true needs? What are the new, the new social barriers that they now have? How are they, what are their priorities in the midst of the pandemic, which probably was different 
were somewhat different before and will be hopefully after, right? And then what are the opportunities that we now have, now that everyone is just trying new things, right? Because we have no other choice. What can we do differently this year so that it helps advance our patients, so that it empowers our populations to do and, and, and prioritize their clinical health differently than it's, than it's been in prior years. If you were to ask me, like, do I want to go back? No, I don't want to go back to where we were. I want to be able to move forward and use this experience to, to move forward in, 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 in being more innovative. And part of those functionalities that you're asking about includes how do we accelerate health um, so that we create that health equity that we're looking for? How do we digitize, but also leverage existing tools around quality, right? Uh, not only in the world of NCQA, the digital measures, um, coding procedures, right? Because that will definitely accelerate efficiency, but how do we also leverage resources that we may have gained through payer collaborations or community-based organizations? I think those are important internal functionalities that should definitely be explored. Um, and then third, I think the obvious one is healthcare worker safety, recovery, well-being, right? That's all very important. Um, you know, I think when you, when I've, I've always, most of my life, I've worked for health systems or hospital and employee health was always very important, but now it's like, just like the health equity part, it kind of like, whoa, light bulb, right? Like super important. They're super frontline, not only to providing health, but uh, creating safety for, for patients, you know, a part of a health worker's job is to create safety for the patient so that they feel comfortable being vulnerable and sick and all of the above um, with the people that are supporting them. So I think all of those things uh, are core functionalities that we should all be discussing. We're, we're going to talk about uh, uh, virtual care in a second, but I, one thing that while you were answering that last question I thought about is that often when we identify an issue, it's like a fire. We run to the fire to put the fire out and we flooded the fire, right. but then we also flooded the basement and now we have to work on that, right? So right. That we that's the tendency of humans. That's what we do. That's what we do. So it must be very challenging. And I don't know, this is me on the outside looking outside. and guessing, but my guess is that you have to be very vigilant about avoiding that. And that's sort of the core of, of you know, isn't it the Hippocratic oath, do, do no harm? <laughs> right, 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 right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we, in operations uh, within healthcare, we tend to allocate 100% of our energy and resource towards the problem that's right in front of us, right? Um, uh, and, and that's part of the inefficiency that we're all trying to solve collectively. Um, and it's always advised, 15% of resources should be allocated towards innovation. And that innovation is to plan, but also prevent, enhance uh, for future crises, but also to just be better at what you do and deliver it in a way that makes the most sense. So I'm glad that you brought that up and you called it out because the innovation goes beyond just crisis management. It's really to deliver the best core values that you have within your organization. So let's move on to virtual care, and uh, and obviously it has exploded. We know that at NCQA, 
And frankly, if you're not under a rock, you know it at home. Because, <laughs> uh, most people have been offered, you know, that possibility. I'm sure there are some who have not. I don't want to leave anyone out, but it, it, right. it certainly has exploded in use. How, um, how has that changed, you know, sort of patient engagement and getting in touch with them and, and sort of addressing these closing, uh, closing the gaps? I mean, one thing is, I can see <laughs> your living room behind you, right? You yeah. and I right now are on a Zoom call. The folks at home don't know. <laughs> this is how the sausage is made. <laughs> anyway, um, I can see behind you at your home. That's, that's that different. could be a clear indicator, and that's different, right? That's different. That's different. I think, um, you know, I, I have colleagues and friends who say, you know, my living room is a mess. I have kids, and, I'm, you know, I'm also teaching from home, and right. it's it opens it opens a world about the patient, about us, that we never really saw into, right? Because we didn't have access to that. So, and I, so I think taking that as even that as an opportunity, right? Um, to really connect differently with the patient is important, right? Um, whereas of usually the traditional ways, the patient goes to the you know point of care, the office, the practice. And in all honesty, providers spend a, 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 quite a bit of time looking at the screen. This is this is different. The screen is the patient now. <laughs> so so I think even provider patient communication has changed. There's an opportunity to coach clinicians as well as patients on how how to better engage online because it's different. Um, uh, and I think the the overall notion that there are so many vendors and so much technology out there around remote patient monitoring is actually pretty overwhelming. I mean, it's overwhelming. So I'm always asked, how can I prioritize? What solutions for what, right? There's like behavioral health, remote patient monitoring. There's some for chronic care management. What should I focus on? What should I pick? And it goes always back to understanding your population. You, generally, that's like the answer to most. It, that's as a step one. What, what exactly do you need? And then what do, you, what do you have? So that you start where you have and you address your immediate, most immediate need. Okay. And then grow from there and learn from there. And in most instances, my, what I've seen a shift on is that a lot of providers are focusing on just getting the, the telehealth visit part right. That has been the focus for the most part. And then leveraging those visits as they do quality reporting now with, with the digital, um, with the coding piece that has been enhanced as part of NCQA and learning from there. And then running pilot programs to try out what exactly, how would this type of effort best serve my population within my system? So my answer is try it out because this is the future. Um, but the vendor has to be right and it has to be the right partner for you. It is interesting and selecting that can be very difficult and paying attention to it can be very difficult. And, and these are things you should consider. And uh, you, you, Vanessa, you said it, so I'm going to go with it. You said you like storytelling. I have yeah. a story to tell you. <laughs> um, we'll just say it is a, a remote monitoring, monitoring, clinical care, right? C uh, acute Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's remote monitoring and the patient sees the specialist, specialist assigns that you do this remote monitoring, check your blood every three weeks. Um, you'll send that it's INR, MDI, you know, the viscosity of your blood. Mm 
Um, you send it for every three weeks. Uh, so then your physician sees it and the company with which he's working through sees it. And, and my opinion of this, and I, I wanted to ask you about it, both of them pay you for, or both of them charge you for that service. And so in the end, it encourages you not to check it because you don't want to pay each of them a copay. Correct. This is a problem, right? This is not right. coordination and consideration when Correct. you get a vendor. So am I in the right ballpark of the things we're talking about? Absolutely. This is why whenever there's like talk about vendor selection, whether it's technology or not, any, any type of patient engagement for that matter, it's so important to, to have that alignment, have the conversation on what are, the, what are the goals that we're trying to meet by engaging the patient and what is the best method of engaging um, and, and then what are we getting in return from the patient? Like what patient experience data, right? All that, all the, the soft uh, competencies. And that happens so often, what you just explained, right? Down to the billing. Um, and, and that's what discourages patient adoption, right? That's and social that, determinant of health, especially if you don't it. have the money to pay them. I mean, right. let's be honest. It was me I was talking about. I have a mitral heart valve. There you go. And, uh, I have a, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, an artificial uh, mitral heart valve. And uh, y this happens. And I pointed it out to my doctor. Here's the interesting thing. He, had no, right. he did not know. No idea. No idea. that no I was, idea. And so he worked with me. This says something good about him. He worked yeah. me, with me to say, do me a favor, check it, but don't send it to them. You know, right. don't send it electronically. If you're out of the range, call me. Right. And that was helpful for me. But I have the money to pay the bills. All Correct. I thought of was, you know, someone on a fixed income who wouldn't have the money for that. And frankly, they didn't tell me ahead of time. Right. And I think that that's where the engagement piece is key. So it's it goes beyond just educating the patient on how to connect. It's about what is this visit for? What is the, the pre-visit requirements, uh, fi including fin finances? Mm -hmm. And part of the care fund, what are the next steps? Because a lot of that gets lost when it's like when you're talking one-on-one -on -one and you're trying to make Zoom or whatever tool you're using work, right? Like 20% of your attention is on the technology. Am I hearing you right? Am I looking at it right? And not a, a lot of the resources are being paid attention to those other things that are still very important to the patient. So at these touches, right, whether it's through remote, remote patient monitoring, whether it's like a device, all of these serve as a touch point for you to check in on other barriers, whether they're environmental, you could do a quick environmental scan, right? Just yes. <laughs> right? Or a social uh, health screen, right? So this is when you could start collapsing part of the resources you have now that engages patients on uh, quality improvement programs via gaps in care closure um, so that you can start doing, again, those assessments that are much more on the persona. Mm -hmm. And while my doctor told me, you know, don't report, that's not the best answer either because we need that, those statistics, right? We Absolutely. need those measurements. Absolutely. So. I mean, it would be excluding you for a major statistic, um, but also more importantly, it's non-standard, right? So mm -hmm. then that, that approach wouldn't benefit everyone, which is how most systems that are sustainable should work, right? There has to be standardization. But unless we have a method of capturing some of the feedback in a standard way, then the systems 
all of our systems will not will never be aligned with what's most important and where the risk factors are for the patient. And I think the complexity of this, and again, this is not me, I could drive myself to the lab, right? <laughs> and that would be less expensive for me, but it is right. much more inconvenient. And Absolutely. if I were that senior citizen who can't get it, you know, mm -hmm. who can't get out of the house right. and this whole thing. It's different. They're going to, they're, in my opinion, they're going to not do what they're supposed to do. We're actually discouraging them from doing what they're supposed to do. Absolutely. Um, my advice in any, in any technology implementation, virtual care, um, just COVID-19 related either vaccine efforts or whatever the priorities are for you at the moment, is that you segment the population in a way that at least by pair, um, and product line, meaning Medicaid, Medicare, commercial, at, at a minimum, because each of those groups behave differently in terms of the services that their payer provides them versus their provider from a cost perspective, but also from like a care management perspective that is influenced by the line of business, right, unfortunately. Um, and, and, and second, it's important to have those very important, what are the services to the patient conversations with the payer so that providers are also educated or clinicians in general to answer those difficult questions that often frazzles the patient and then and then it drives them to not adopting this new way of engaging in health especially in a situation when you find out later right the patient when you find out later when you're stressed out right right it's all of the, the big, big things that frustrates patients let's talk about though sorry to go on the tangent, but uh, what are the, talk to us about um, some innovative ways of overcoming that, of partnering, partnering with technology platforms mm -hmm. um, to sort of improve performance. Yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's a few types that come to mind. Um, the, the obvious are remote patient monitoring. Uh, there is a number of specialty-based um, programs and platforms that are designed for specific pockets of populations. Um, it provides you with the, the, the ability to personalize at a level where you can start with a smaller population than trying it on everyone. Um, so that includes behavioral health, uh, diabetes, CV conditions, right? Where it's custom designed with the right devices, the right application, the right content education for that population. So especially for if, you're, if you are participating in, in value-based arrangements, um, your PCMH shop, whatever the circumstances, that would be a great first step for you to try. Um, there are also other patient engagement um, uh, organizations that provide uh, interactive voice response. Uh, again, that's always a tricky topic, um, but one thing that we've learned in the last you know, 14 months is that we are now experiencing kind of different ways of doing things. Um, and I, and, and my, I really pay all respects to healthcare workers uh, because there is a patient and skill that goes with, with all of this, right? So we're not minimizing how difficult it can be to do all of this stuff. Um, but nevertheless, I think uh, patient engagement solutions offer the, the ability for to cut time on resource use, human resources on things that could be like repetitive or reiterative, so that clinical staff can focus on maybe following up with patients with more complex needs, like you know some of the circumstances um, that that you just experienced recently, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, there's also uh, social determinants of health uh, uh, tracking or referral management tools. Highly, highly suggest that. Um, you know, I, I still see around like binders of like um, different community-based organizations that nurses write down that, that they often refer to. But then, it, it, Matt, it's exactly what happened to you. Like a good staff member helps one patient because they know who has the, the, the connection, but then right. that doesn't apply to all the patients. So a referral management system will then help you standardize, making sure that you're able to track, did the patient get what they needed, um, and then have that closed loop referral that we all want as it relates to you know, the acquisition of social services in our communities. And from, from my uh, uh, cardiologist uh, perspective, I'm sure he's just trying to help. Of and course. And he's an employee. <laughs> he's employed in a health system, and he probably thinks right. that I can't overcome that monolith. Let's, you know, that huge thing. So Absolutely. let's just take care of it here. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think that's what most of us do. I mean, I would probably right. do the same thing. Um, but then, wouldn't it be great to then replicate that? that good for every that patient good, because for every patient. I can't be the only one, right? Right. So, absolutely. But those. That, those for sure would be the top um, uh, technologies that I would look at to improve mm -hmm. efficiency. It is a very stressful times that we're experiencing. So anything, any machines that we could send out there to collect information on our behalf so that we could do the more conceptual smart thing, I think would be helpful. I like that sound bite. That kind of wraps it all right up into one big bow. Let's, but I'm going to give you one last word. Tell me about the, the key strategies you think we all should look at uh, in, in this year ahead, God willing, it'll be a better year than 2020. Yeah, I, I really, I really truly uh, hope so. I think uh, first and foremost, I think policies will just evolve with the changes in government. Uh, and, and, you know, I think aligning ourselves with new policies that come up, leveraging tools, guidance that are issued, such as the, the, the recent Medicaid guidance on social determinants of health. Those are the things we want to uh, tie ourselves to, right? So that we could start being the change, making the change. So being just abreast of what changes are going on at that level, I think will be super helpful. Uh, the second thing is identifying partnerships that are kind of out of the box, right? Uh, being a bit more open than perhaps we've had in, been in the past. Uh, there's a lot of goodwill out there and we just have to add structure to all the, all that good feeling that I think will come out of this year, I hope. Um, and, and then third is really taking a look at the resources that you have. A lot about this year is about COVID-19 vaccines, right? I mean, we can't lose sight of the, of the priority that we're all kind of have in mind. So my biggest advice is tie all, if not most relevant initiatives to that mission. So as you're carrying out the vaccines and you're reaching out to patients about the vaccines, then you reach out to them about that other vaccine that they're missing, right? So here we are connecting gaps in care again, a perfect touch point to see what else are you missing, right? Understand why they're not engaging. Maybe they're, because if they're not engaging, it's never a lack of time, is a lack of priority. And then from the lack of priority, that means there are other barriers, right? That are preventing them from prioritizing to their health. So. Again, I will end as I started with the storytelling, uh, but that's, that's a big component of understanding and empowering our communities as we combat this COVID-19 pandemic and hopefully 
put a bow to it this year. And there's and there's good news too. I mean, we'll end positively. It is that our audience, so to speak, which our patients is the general population, are now more conditioned because of COVID to accept this change and to accept these sort of leaps that we hope to make in the next couple of years, right? Absolutely. I think we are in a in a in a higher. A sense of awareness more than ever. We're just aware of our surroundings. We're aware of our resources and where we lack too, right? Where it has worsened, it's it's clear. And and this year is about it's about opportunities, about the opportunity to leverage what we know best and then condition it in a way that that really benefits why we're in the industry, which is which is the patient. Vanessa Guzman, CEO at Smart Rise Health, emphasis on smart. Thank you. Again. I enjoy <laughs> you. conversations every time you're here. I really do. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Smart Rise Health CEO, Vanessa Guzman, in a discussion with me earlier this year. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Before we go, we wanted to remind you of NCQA's Quality Innovation Series. The series of more than 40 courses features experts and colleagues from across the healthcare spectrum. Sessions cover everything from health equity to telehealth, from high-tech medicine to the future of patient care. For all Quality Innovation Series sessions, NCQA offers discounts and continuing education credits toward maintaining various certifications. Coming up on Tuesday, September 28th, our Quality Innovation Series presents Leveraging Clinical Champions to create a culture of high value care. Then on Wednesday, September 29th, we present distinction in behavioral health integration, success stories from clinicians on the front lines. Now you can sign up for as many sessions as you like and all sessions are recorded and may be viewed at any time. Find out more about the 2021 Quality Innovation Series at education dot ncqa dot org so that does it for another edition of inside healthcare thank you for joining us i'm matt brock we'll see you again no doubt you've been listening to inside healthcare a podcast brought to you by ncqa the national committee for quality assurance inside healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast. <laughs>